Bullshit. The No BS Marketing Show is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audible.com slash no BS. Over 200,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. It's the No BS Marketing Show. I'm Dave Mastovich, and today our guest is Mike Malatesta, CEO, investor, writer, and innovator. Back in 1992, Mike co-founded Advanced Waste after he'd been with a company for five years, moved to five different locations at that job as a newcomer to the company, and then had a a challenging event where he was let go, had to decide what he was going to do next, and he decided to co-found Advanced Waste. They started at zero, and Mike and his team completed 14 acquisitions, grew annual sales to $45 million while operating in five states with 150 employees. Now that he sold Advanced Waste, he's CEO of JMMR Holdings. In episode one, he told us some great stories about the importance of leadership and communication and taking chances on these acquisitions. He admitted he didn't know much about acquisitions when he began. He worked through that and learned and continued to become more and more successful with growing it. He also was vulnerable and transparent about how he has grown as a leader through the strategic coach, through tech slash Vistage, through his own ongoing personal and professional growth, looking in the mirror and self-awareness. And he emphasized how important leadership and communication was when he built new terminology and a new culture with this company as it began to grow. That all happened in episode one. It was some great stuff. So if you're just coming in here on episode two, hit pause, go back and listen to episode one and come right back to this point. Mike, welcome to part two. Thank you, Dave. Happy to be back for part two. Well, part two starts off a little bit more uh, to the point because it puts you on the spot since you are on the No Bullshit Marketing Show. Think back to in your career when maybe you were the difficult boss, the tough employee, maybe your communication wasn't where you would have liked it to be. So when you were kind of the BSer, what did you do to fix it and what did you learn that might help our listeners? Yeah, well, uh, I'm sure there have been more occasions of that than I could remember or be willing to share, but there would be, wouldn't be enough time for it. But I think, <laughs> you know, the biggest the biggest thing for me, Dave, is you know, when I first got started in this business, I was I was working for some some leaders who you know, probably weren't displaying the 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 kind of leadership that that they should have. Um, and we got into a, we got into some habits that were bad habits. So, you know, we think we're smarter than the customer. We take advantage of the customer. Um, we take advantage of rules. Uh, you know, we would do things that made us feel good about what we were doing, but they weren't always the right things to be doing or the things that most benefited the client. And I'm so I'm, you know, so I'm sorry. I, in, in retrospect, I feel like, oh, geez, I never should have gotten involved with that. But I should have been smarter, you know. But um, I'm so glad I learned the lesson when I did, because I got smart about it, um, you know, at a, at a relatively young age in a person's career, and uh, as a result, it, you know, it changed the way that I think, feel, uh, and approach every relationship that I have in every business um, transaction or opportunity that I look at. Uh, so so that, that for me is probably the biggest BS part of my life. Mike, 
I think it's so important. We have we have three different target audiences that tell us they listen to the show a lot. And one is people like yourself, entrepreneurs, C-suite people who want to hear about other C-suite people. The second is because it is marketing, it is leadership, it is communications, we get a number of professionals at the uh, director level, chief marketing officer level, marketing manager, content creators. But one of the third audiences that's always been there is a younger audience. And it's partly because I speak to a lot of keynotes to um, colleges and so forth. And I, I've taught at universities. And for whatever reason, we have a lot of people in the, the 20s, early 20s, either finishing college and just starting out or in their first or second job. What you just hit on, I think you and I should talk about because it can help sure. those people earlier in their career. We are influenced by our surroundings and our boss a lot and it takes a lot to do what you did when you were able to overcome that. Let's talk a little bit about how you've been influenced by leaders and how you had to adjust there with the example you gave and how you've influenced people as a leader. Well, I gave you the example of how I was influenced by those particular leaders. Um, I've, and, and, and being, so actually being uh, influenced by good leaders came later because I had this gap between when I started the business, I was the leader and, you know, I stayed in that, I think I described, I stayed in the kind of the walls of uh, that business we were building for 10 years. And I didn't really interact with anybody else except clients and prospects, except for my partner, uh, Larry Lyons. And Larry was, uh, uh, is uh, about 18 years older than me. And during that time um, he was, I looked at him as my mentor. And um, we were different people, but I think our belief system was the same. Do what's right for, do what's right for the customer, do what's right for your people, do what's right for yourself. Um, now later, so I had that later, as I got into some of the programs we mentioned, I started to become, uh, get in the company of some really great leaders who taught me uh, that transparency is okay. Uh, vulnerability is okay. Sharing details with people is okay. In fact, it's necessary if they're gonna if they're gonna do, um, you know, become the best that 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 they can be. Continue to educate yourself. Um, you never know everything. You're never close to knowing everything. Even in a business you've been in for your whole life, you don't know everything. So get out there and 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 figure out what's uh, what's out there for you to continue to learn. But I think the biggest thing for me as a leader is I believe in people. I expect them to believe in themselves. I expect them to understand that they're whatever level they're coming in at in, a, in the organization, that's not the level that they're going to stay at unless that's what they really want. Um, if they want something more, I'm going to help them get something more. I'm going to encourage them to get something more, and I'm going to support them to get something more, even if that something more means they got to move on to another opportunity. Um, so I don't know if that gets exactly to your question, but that's that's, um, that's how I'm thinking about it at the moment. I like it, and it brings a lot of value because it's talking about how people, uh, how you led people and how people can respond to that. The second half would be this part, which is you said you want to have pe help people, and sometimes you've had to help people where they actually left and, and moved on and, and went to yeah. something that was a better fit for them. But let's go down the other path of helping someone out there who's a listener right now 
and they're drained at work and they're kind of punching in, punching out now when they, they don't have the zest they used to have. And that's partially on them because we all have individual accountability and responsibility, but it's more so on the culture and the supervisor. So what, what advice do you have for someone who's in that situation where maybe they're even thinking I'm going to do the big phrase today as a side hustle and yeah. because they're not sure and they're not as comfortable as they used to be in that current job. What do you have for that person who is someone that's feeling like they're stuck? Yeah, that's something we should unpack, I guess, as long as we're using the side hustle thing. Um, so I guess it really depends on how uh, it do you, do you, do you want to approach your supervisor because you think you can change the situation by being pointing something out to them in a positive way or making a suggestion in a positive way that'll be received? If that's the case, then I, I you definitely should do that because there's too much in my experience. There's too much sort of uh, osmosis presumption happening. Like if I'm thinking and feeling this way, the person about whom I'm thinking and feeling this way obviously gets that. Well, they. A lot of times they don't. Um, so if you feel comfortable having a conversation, you should. You shouldn't just sit back and go, oh, geez, you know, when's this guy going to get Let's it? talk about this for a second. I think most of yeah. us don't feel comfortable having that. I know that I had to early in my career have those kind of conversations. I still do now. And a lot of times people just don't have the comfort level. Let's go down that path, though, for a minute, because I think in most instances, you should at least still make that attempt because of yes. the reasons. If you make the attempt... I'm going to be positive here and say the majority of people out there are going to go, oh, wow, I didn't realize that I was training this person and had this person feeling shackled and had right. the majority of people. And those people then will respond at least in some way, shape, or form a little bit positively. And the naysayer, the person who then comes after you because of that, well, you were done anyway then. So I think you should almost it's a rare occasion when you shouldn't at least somehow broach that subject, but that's just my opinion. I'm kind of a yeah. blunt person. That was a good thing you brought up. You said, you know, at least half, I think more than half, way more than half of people are willing to be introspective. They're just not many people who ask them to be introspective. Um, so by bringing something up that, that they may not know about themselves, most more, way more than most people are going to stop and say, huh, even if they don't in the meeting, when they get home or when they're driving home, they're going to do that. Now, the people that aren't, if you're in an environment where people aren't receptive to that and you have an option to look for another job or you think that there's another opportunity or you think that based on what you've learned in the environment you're in, you can create an environment for yourself and for other people that would be different and 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 uh, unique and, and interesting, you know, maybe that's an opportunity for you to start something uh, on your own that 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 becomes what you are missing. I agree. Communication is so essential, Mike. And I think that the biggest thing you and I can do as leaders when we look to give back is really push people to get out of their comfort zones when it comes to communication. And I'm still guilty of it. I'm still guilty of where I, like just yesterday, I had to have a difficult conversation and I got all nervous about it. And then about three minutes into the conversation, I could see that it was fine. Everything was fine. I was more nervous than I needed to be. And I was thanked for having the difficult conversation. So it doesn't matter how much experience yeah. you have, you're still nervous around certain conversations, but you have to have them. Yeah. I was just in a meeting the other night and one of the one of the people were describing one of the other people and saying, you know, he just, he, he's, 
you know, likes doesn't like conflict. He likes to avoid conflict. And I said, well, who doesn't, right? Exactly. There's not many people who are, on, but but if you don't address the conflict, you have. It's not like the conflict went away. It's just inside your head now, 24/7. So once conflict is inside your head, 24/7, or some other type of negative energy, it's just draining and it's just draining you all day long. You might as well just get it out of the way. And like you said. Most of the time, a lot of the time, the the person isn't feeling about it the same way you are, right? It goes okay. And you're like, why did I wait so long to have that discussion? Should have done that whatever ago. That's Mike Balatesta. I'm Dave Mastovich. We're on the Nobius Marketing Show brought to you by Audible.com. You can get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audible.com slash no BS. Over 200,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Wise Audible sponsor. I love Audible. I'm glad they're a sponsor because I am an Audible user. If you're not listening to podcasts and listening to Audible books while driving or while working out or while cooking, you are missing an opportunity for personal and professional growth that will not take extra time. And that's the most important thing when people tell me they're so busy and they can't do this, they can't get to that, they can't get to this, they can't get to that. The reality is when you're already doing something, video can't be there when you're driving. Video can't be there when you are working out as much. You can do the audio through Audible or through podcasts while you're working out, while you're driving, while you're cooking, while you're thinking, while you're pondering, whatever. So you can be able to get that stuff done. That's why I'm so passionate about Audible. We're with Mike Malatesta. He's given us a lot of great information. He's from Milwaukee. We met through a workshop that I was doing, the No BS Marketing Workshop. We had a couple of engaging conversations during the breaks and during the workshop. Stayed in touch. Mike, you're also getting into a lot of blogging, writing, and considering even more stuff. You've got the chance to be uh, do a podcast and speak, and you've got a communication style and business approach that's unique. Why don't you tell our audience a little bit about what you've been doing so they can follow up and read some of your stuff or, or hear some of your stuff? Sure, sure. Thanks. Um, so one of the reasons that I ended up selling my business back in 2015 was that there were a lot of goals that were, I just got, I, I developed a goals goal sheet um, in 2003 that had the, the next 10 years and then the next 10 years after that. And uh, I had, um, it occurred to me that if I was going to continue to be running this business full time, I was not going to be able to accomplish these goals. And fortunately, the timing of of being able to sell the business and and the age I was um, kind of came together where I would have an opportunity to do that. And one of the and so I've been marking off goals as a result. One of my goals has always been to to write to write uh, um, nonfiction and eventually write a fiction book five of which would be on the New York Times bestseller list. Uh, and the reality is I don't have one book published yet. So I was, so I, or I didn't then, I still don't, but what I have done is I've developed a website, mikemalatesta.com, and I blog on that website about my experiences. So it's not a, it's not a um, tell you what to do kind of thing. It's basically like, hey, here's a story from my life and business or whatever that might resonate with you as an entrepreneur, right, might, might resonate, resonate with you as a leader, or, um, or might, you might just find interesting. Um, so I, <clears throat> I do that. 
that that's putting me in the discipline of writing, Dave, and that's going to get me to the point where I do publish these books and I do uh, accomplish that goal. Um, in addition, um, I have been doing a lot of uh, angel or early stage investing and not on a big level, but um, I was introduced to this um, website called AngelList, angellist.co, I believe it is. Um, and AngelList uh, provides opportunities for investors or really anyone to invest in, in high tech, high growth startups. A lot of them out of Silicon Valley and, and uh, San Diego and, and other hotspots, Austin. But why I was interested in that is because I do investing here in Milwaukee and in the Midwest, that's where I do the, the majority of my stuff. But I wanted to make sure that I stayed relevant, that I knew what was coming and that if I could participate in it, it would just keep me engaged and keep me learning. So. I've been doing a lot of that. I've probably done 20, 25 of those over the last uh, year or so. And then um, I've got my podcast, which I still haven't started. And Dave's been sort of mentoring me on that. Um, and uh, I'm so I'm building content now. And then I'm going to um, use that content in a, in a podcast called uh, How Did It Happen, where I'm going to interview high performers in uh uh, all phases of life, and I'm going to engage them in a conversation that's not just about how'd you do it or whatever. I want to know what happened in their life. And because I feel like whenever people know that you're, if you've been successful, you, it didn't just happen. You know, you, you didn't just wake up and, and become successful. So it's not something that's beyond anyone's ability to have happen at whatever level they want. Sometimes you just need a story that says, hey, look at how badly I screwed up and I was still able to do it. So if you've screwed up and you think that that's an impediment to you getting better and becoming what you ultimately want to become, it's not. And here's why. Powerful stuff. And I think what I want to do is put you on the spot now and say, what is the time frame? Because I want this to be a smart goal and put on your personal action summary. What is your time frame to have the uh, the podcast be where where I can start promoting it on my podcast and it can be out there for all listeners to try to start churning out and listening to a bunch of episodes. September 1. September 1. You heard it, no BSers. We're going to have another colleague out there, another leader who is uh, all about positive growth, ongoing personal and professional growth. I love the concept of that show. And I think it's really going to be able to be one that you're going to be able to market and get a broad listenership. Um, our show is great and I love it. And I also know that our show is for a specific couple of target markets I mentioned earlier. But what's great about this, you'd have those same target markets. But I also think you can get a very broad listenership because of the vulnerability and transparency of when you're talking to these people. And I love your point about when you or one of your guests or whoever you're talking to telling the story about when you say like, this is what happened that went wrong and it still ended up okay. And here's what I learned from it. Because you said earlier that there's, uh, through all those trials and tribulations, there's growth and sometimes it's painful growth, but that is the key. And you're going to have people that listen, that understand that, wow, I was thinking of making this leap and I was a little bit scared. And this guy has this guest on and she said that she made these two major mistakes and thought she was going to go under, but she turned it around and her company's now a hundred million in annual sales. That kind of stuff is going to be really powerful. I'm looking forward to it. 
So that have be- to do a little more than look forward to it, but I'm looking forward to it. You've got a big summer ahead of you because podcasts—they yeah. take a little bit of work on the front end. And uh, I'll tell you what ends up happening is once you once you prep and get started, the first few months actually go well. You, you're, you'll get better after the first or second episode, and there'll be a big jump from episode say three to ten. You'll you'll have a big difference. But what ends up happening, and so many people I've seen quit, is once you get past fifty, a hundred, hundred fifty episodes it does start weighing on you from a time standpoint. And I had a couple of colleagues just quit in the last three months who were um, really going along and doing it and they slipped, they lowered their frequency, then they flat out just stopped. And that's what ends up happening. And that's the advice I'll give is to uh, continually try to build that bank of shows in the inventory or to be willing to say perfect is the enemy of good, which is always a challenge for all of us. And so what I've had to do because of my background of doing a lot of stuff on the air and doing a lot of stuff in the media is I always wanted it to be good. And I had to stop and stop, quit trying to worry about it being perfect and just say perfect is the enemy of good and just do a show because if you fixate on it, that's what ends up happening. And that's why so many people quit doing podcasts after 50 episodes, a hundred episodes, two reasons. One is the struggle to fight a perfect is enemy of good. And the second is to be, okay with the fact that it's not like a radio show on a broadcast radio or TV station where you can see immediately, oh, I had 18,000 listeners. Now I have 43,000 listeners. You you have to know your audience is really small, but it's a loyal audience. So those are the two things that happen is the two challenges that you'll have to uh, wrestle through after six months and one year. Well, thanks for that uh, introspection and for the advice as well, Dave. Now, on the No BS Marketing Show, we always like to ask our guests if they could give the audience a tool that they use to help our audience become more productive. So it can be anything you use. It can be an app. It can be a process that you use to help you be more productive or communicate better. Uh, Can I go old school on you? Absolutely. Okay. So if I'm going to go old school on you, I would recommend that – Uh, your listeners pick up a book called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. And that book was written uh, decades and decades ago by Napoleon Hill, who followed around um, Andrew Carnegie and Henry Ford and a number of other successful people because he wanted to, uh, to write about what, what these people did that led them to be super successful. And it's a book I read for the first time over a decade ago. I've kept it with me. It's got all kinds of marks on it and stuff. And I just started reading it again uh, last week. And it's, it's a phenomenal book about taking control of your own mind to, to, to use what you create a belief system, use your belief system as the power to keep you going toward what you want to accomplish. Fantastic book. And uh, I would recommend that highly. Mike, I I have to tell you something that's going to help our audience too. Like you, I bought that book years ago. I think it might even been maybe 15 years ago. And I, I remember reading it and I wasn't there yet mentally. And so I, I didn't uh, benefit from it as much. Maybe subconsciously I did, but uh, about, a year ago, I found the uh, audio version of that 
and there's a guy by the name of Jeffrey Gittimer, who is a oh, yeah. sales training guy that uh, has just always built his business. He's a very impressive sales uh, salesperson, uh, leader, consultant. And so I've been following Jeffrey for years. And one time he, me dings, he dings me with one of his emails and he says, Napoleon Hill's thing and grow rich from this other company. If you buy it through Gittimer, it's only 25 bucks. And I thought, you know what? I, I never gave that book as much time as I should have. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and spend this. It was either 25 or $35. It was so small of a amount that I didn't even blink and just did it. And I listened to it now twice <laughs> and it's like 13 hours, probably 